Hello out there, thinkers, linkers, and mappers. We are really happy to host a series of conversations around the topic of tools for thinking. Our longer term goal is to spark a diverse, connected, shared memory that will help us make important decisions together. Our near term goal with these podcasts is to interest startups in being part of Betaworks' upcoming accelerator, Think Camp. Betaworks is a New York City based incubator and accelerator. They've run seven camps before on topics from bots to synthetic media and voice interfaces. You can find out more about ThinkCamp in this domain, this whole area, by going to betaworks.com slash camp, all lowercase. I'm Jerry Mikulski, your interlocutor and obsessive mind mapper. This is our first episode, so I'm talking with John Borthwick, the founder and head of Betaworks, to describe this sector and our hopes for it. Now, we just had uh, last week a session we called the Render uh, for Tools for Thinking, where John and I basically ranted at the very beginning to open the space and describe it. And we like that so much that we're going to include that right now in this podcast. Uh, and then we'll pick up from, from there. So here's what we, uh, here's what we said on uh, last week. Jerry and I are going to kick off right now with a few thoughts, uh, basically, you know, two personal rants on why we think this is important and why we're very passionate about this. Um, this is a space that uh, ever since you know, I first used a computer, I've been thinking about how can a computer actually be a better tool for thinking. And I think that today, you know, given the degree to which our information landscape has been flattened, uh, we have access to all this information, but we don't actually have access to great tools to organize that information, scaffold it, uh, and make meaning out of it, make it actually service in some like functional way. And so I think that, that that sort of, to me, is the crux of why I think um, we need better tools for thinking. You know, the word information actually in its roots comes from the formation of the mind. And I think we're, you know, in today's world, we're sort of forming our minds to be sort of mass consumers and not great thinkers. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, day in and day out and tool in and tool out, I'm thinking about how can I use this tool more or better but not really how to like, take all the ideas from this specific you know, flow of information I'm looking at and organize it to help me actually construct my beliefs and how I think about the world. So that to me is sort of the essence of why I think this is important. Um, I think the moment right now that we're in is also really important. Uh, we have, you know, since you know, through COVID, last couple of years, we've seen sort of the broad uh, development of graph databases. We're seeing NLP and machine learning get to a point that we can do really interesting things with large, well-tuned you know, uh, data sets. We're seeing tools in Web3 that allow us to have uh, protocols funded and to have open protocols that could potentially mean that some of this data, all of this data, can actually be owned by the actual person who's thinking about it and that it can be shared across multiple apps uh, instead of these sort of web one, web two models that sort of have everything sort of siloed. So I think all of those things, you know, and I would add on top of that, that I think that the visual uh, access to tools for thinking are starting to get uh, also interesting. You know, we've seen uh, some apps that are starting to do semantic spatial uh, work that I think is super interesting. So as we move towards AR and VR 
and sort of the extension of the mobile device. I think we're going to have UI that's going to actually permit us to organize and think differently. And so, and hopefully think better. Um, so I think that the, you know, this is very much needed. The time is very much now. And when I think about the tools, you know, specifically the tools, I think, I think it's really important that we think hard about how different people think. Because I think different, uh, different folks think differently. And, uh, you know, I personally, when I first came to st uh, and started using tools for thinking, I thought about them primarily as memorization tools, basically putting in things, making notes to remember them. Um, and then I realized that I wasn't going back to the memories much, and so I sort of reverted to pen and paper and just like simple things. Because I, over time I realized, at least for me personally, that the associative function of a tool for thinking was actually more important than the memory function. So being able to take ideas, to scaffold them, to be able to associate them with one another, and then to just like let them simmer in my brain. Because at least for me personally, one of the best tools for thinking I have is taking a walk or going to sleep. Um, because if I have some bigger ideas where I've sort of scaffolded them in a functional way and then I go to sleep, I often wake up with an idea or an association that I hadn't thought of before. And so I think that all of that is, uh, is about better interfaces, better tooling, better uh, use of the new technologies that I mentioned at the top. So I think that uh, different tools for different folks um, is sort of central to how I think about this world that needs to emerge. So speaking about different folks, let me hand over to Jerry, who is a very different, uh, he has a very different brain than I have, and he actually has two brains. And so he's going to show you um, both his wet and his dry brain. I love it. <laughs> it it's, it's not a good pickup line in a bar, trust me. <laughs> Um, and I was introduced to my wife as Jerry has the world's largest brain. I was like, oh, that's great. But it wasn't a romantic meeting. But um, So uh, we're going to see up on the screen hopefully in a second. There we go. You're going to see this piece of software called The Brain. And before I go there, I, you'll see me do this now and then. Jazz hands up means I agree with what's being said or I like it. This means I disagree. This means meh. Feel free to do that. And then you're not an audience anymore. You're actually, we get to little, it gives us a little bit of a temperature feel for what's going on in the room. So. This jazz hands, and I did this once in San Antonio with 50 military folks, and there was a colonel in full uniform like doing jazz hands. I'm like, this works. <laughs> so I've put up here, I've created every node in this mind map is called a thought. This is a piece of software called The Brain. It's proprietary software from a little company that's still alive in Los Angeles. I used to work for Esther, who's sitting over there in the room and was her managing editor for the newsletter Release 1.0. And I was in the middle of writing an issue of the newsletter about link management and mind mapping. And I was very frustrated because the tools I saw were terrible. And then out of nowhere, this little company has this tool, and I started using it. The file that you're looking at right now is the same file that I opened in December of 1997. So I've been feeding one mind map for 24 and a half years. This December, it'll be 25 years. A month or two ago, I passed the half million thought mark. So each node is called a thought. There's a half million of them in this one mind map, but look, we're looking at one little screen and it's pretty handy. Uh, here is today's session. Here is a link. Uh, and in fact, I made a link for uh, every one of the sessions for today. And then I wanted to say that 
I'm, me, my relationship with the brain is a little bit like this guy who in 1977 started making dioramas out of toothpicks. He had this obsession, and here's a whole collection of his dioramas. Here's the Palace of Fine Arts and uh, a galleon and whatever, except I've been adding toothpicks to this mind map of what's out there, what I, what I know and what I believe. And that's really important because there's opinions in here as well. Um, so um, I loved HyperCard. Anybody remember HyperCard? Raise your hand. Woo, yes. I'm s HyperCard could have been the web. Raise your hand if you believe HyperCard could have been the web and Apple's really stupid. Meh, okay, good. Um, and then I used Echo for a while, and then when the internet shows up, Echo falls apart, and then this pitch comes through. Uh, I was also an avid bubble charter, so the moment I saw this, I was really happy. Uh, then I've had this long-standing sort of addiction to the tool, and uh, I will do a demo of this tool in a couple sessions, so I won't go there. There's a little bit more uh, to talk about there. But my use of the brain feels really unusual and useful because I have this aggregated memory and very few people, most people I've seen who use mappy tools like MindJet or MindDomo or there's a thousand of them. Uh, so if I go to uh, MindJet for example, which has been around since 1998, and if I click on mind mapping, here's all the mind mapping companies I've heard of before. And that's just mind mapping. Here's visual search tools, here's visual analysis tools, uh, et cetera, et cetera. There's like all these sort of subcategories and I created for this event and this sequence through the Think Camp, I created this thought called Mapping Tools for Thinking that includes links down to every one of these yellow things is a cluster, is a category, uh, and then uh, the purple ones are more towards opinions and things like that. Uh, so I think that somehow what I'm hoping to let you do is sort of look over the shoulder of somebody using a tool for thinking intensively and see what that's like. Um, I'm sitting here feeding this thing all by myself. The brain has a team brain mode, but it doesn't work the way I wish it did, and it's proprietary software. So I'm like, where is everybody? This is really, really fun. I feel like a lone Wikipedian out there, like you know, trying to make, make an encyclopedia. And part of what we're talking about here is how do we create a social memory that allows people to use their favorite tool because different people think and represent things differently, but yet still create an aggregated asset, something together in between us that actually helps us figure out what we know and why we know it and why we believe in it. Um, so I have a thought in my brain uh, that says lessons from my brain. You can go browse it. Uh, my brain is available on the, on the web openly for free. You can go to jerrysbrain.com, click on launch Jerry's brain, and it, you'll open a new tab with this display. And it's, I, I hit the little sync button uh, several times a day so the data you'll see is fresh. And I marked very few things in here private. So of the half million things in it, they're pretty much all available to you. Uh, but there's a couple really interesting uh, lessons from the brain, one of which is kind of key for me, which is I believe that we're kind of an amnesic society. We are dumber than we normally would be because we've been consumerized. Instead of being treated as citizens, like you can go down the street and ask your average person, like. Uh, who the current president of the country is, and they probably don't know, but you can ask them who Kim Kardashian's kids are, and they've got that. And I don't think that's because humans are stupid. I think that's because we're doing very weird things out in the public sphere, and, and we're, we're, we're sort of dumber. And building a shared memory is a piece of the solution of trying to get someplace where we can actually start to um, use this to make society a little bit better. So for me, using this brain has not cured amnesia, but it's given me much better recall because every time I show something to somebody or every time I add something to a category, 
it refreshes the wet pads in my head. So my unaided recall on a bunch of things is much better, I think, than it would be otherwise, for example. Two more points. Um, what you'll see from this afternoon is that there are embers of interest everywhere right now. There's Zettelkasten, which is an old method invented by Nicholas and Luhmann. Uh, so I can make a link here to Zettelkasten, uh, which is this one. So I've just made a link in my brain to Zettelkasten, invented by this guy, this philosopher, Nicholas Luhmann, uh, who studied under Talcott Parsons, who was a structural functionist systems thinker at Harvard, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, there's the cult of Rome. There's uh, a whole bunch of people using different kinds of tools. I happen to have become addicted to this one. But how do we collaborate together? How do we, our data sets are all siloed. There's no bonfire in the middle. And one of the reasons for this sequence of sessions is really to build that bonfire and to attract the people who care about this and help us build something together. And then last thing. Um, I think there are some civilizational implications for this work. This isn't just about personal productivity and getting things done and note-taking and, and, hey, I remembered what I, what I heard or saw a month ago. Um, if we do this right, then scientists are actually feeding a shared brain and students are actually feeding the shared brain and the data sets are open under open content uh, po possibilities. And then journalists are actually going in and, and, and tackling those issues directly. And then policymakers and communities can harvest the actual data from actual studies, participate in the conversations. This medium, which doesn't exist, could enable us to make better decisions together as a society. right? And I think that's hugely important. It's, it's part of the path toward recovering the mess that we're in right now. And I think I've got a thought in here that says, we are in five crises right now. And that's a whole fun conversation to have. And the second piece of this is, um, the story goes that in the early days of cinema, they put a, a moving camera in front of a, on a tripod in front of a stage, and they ran theater. And they recorded theater because everybody knew theater since ancient Greece and before. Awesome. Then somebody says, hey, let's put the tripod on a little dolly and move it around. And we invent the pan and the jump cut and the montage. And suddenly, we get the vocabulary of cinema. Awesome. The web is stuck in web 1.0 language. We have magazines and movies and mail, electronic mail messages and some other chat sort of. We're like, we, we haven't leveled up in part because of intellectual property overprotection. Good ideas go into books where they're surrounded by DRM or they go into PDFs where information goes to die. Um, and we need to sort of liberate it and, and put it between us so that it's actually useful and then instrument it or make it executable so that it turns into stuff that let, lets us run our lives better and make better decisions together. So that's kind of my rant for, for opening this. And I'm really looking forward to where we go. Uh, and we have some great things showing up here. Yeah, thank you, Jerry. So uh, I think that that's, uh, I hope that's a good kickoff. What I think what you can see is that there's, it's a big space. There's a lot ha starting to happen in this space. And you know, during the day, you're going to see us sort of we're going to be going back and uh, through a series of the conversations, looking at the history of computing and sort of how we got here and why we're stuck in metaphors around file folders and things like that. And then we're going to be looking forward with a lot of the demos and the entrepreneurs who are starting to build in the space. So um, what, what did we learn from, from Render? John, what, what, things, what things jumped out for you? So I think the, the, the render session was a really good session. I mean, it was, a, it was a lively sort of half day event that we did here in the city. We had 
I think a set of high level discussions, a set of really compelling, interesting demos. And you know, I encourage you just to check it out. There's, uh, we'll drop some links in the show notes, but it was, it was a really good session that co covered the breadth of what tools for thinking, I think have been and can be. Uh, and so I think the, you know, what, what came out of it for me, I, I think there were a handful of things. Uh, the first is, is that I think the importance for really simple, accessible tools for thinking. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I have on top of my Twitter feed right now, the sort of the meme of the sort of midwit um, uh, meme. Uh, and sort of that, I, I found myself in that trap before where I get obsessed with some like, you know, tool for thinking app. And then I realize I'm not actually thinking, I'm just like using more technology. And I think at getting really good accessible tools that really can almost the tools can get out of the way so that people can really think and not think about the thinking or think about the software. So that was sort of one key thing uh, that came out for me. Uh, do you want to do you want to do one for um, you, and then um, and then I I think I've got uh, one or two others. That sounds great. Um, and also, my shorthand for what you just said when I'm trying to describe this to other people is: we need something that's one step more difficult than Instagram, Tumblr, Snapchat, Pinterest, all the things that millions, billions of people are using happily with hashtags and hashtags are metadata. So, so they're already sort of deep into using these tools. Uh, most of these tools for thinking look pretty arcane and a little daunting. So I, I think finding that little sweet spot is really important. Um, one of the things that jumped out at me in, in our render session was uh, unexpected applications. And uh, Linus Lee stood up and, and said, you know, yeah, that was for them. Yeah. I'm just kind of messing around with this stuff for myself. And here's what I did. And he makes this two by two matrix where he drops a paragraph in the middle and then drags it around. And the matrix has dimensions like slower, faster, happier, angrier, or something like that. And as he's dragging the little dot around, the text that he dragged in starts changing and being rewritten live by GPT-3 so that it's faster, slower. So gosh, every couple of years we meet to discuss tools for thinking turns into, uh, you know, last, you know, five minutes ago, we just had a meeting for tools for thinking kind of thing. And and I think there was a, there was a gasp in the audience. So things that I hadn't begun to consider because I'm still stuck on how do we build the simple tool that lots of people are going to use. Uh, so that was, the, there were several moments during the, the day that, that felt like that to me. Yeah. 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 I agree that that was a brilliant, uh, that was a brilliant sort of, it, it encapsulated so much of the, I think, the moment and the opportunity, right? The, the use of these large language models, uh, yeah, and the pace that they're uh, being developed is is extraordinary. And since many of them are open source and they're being sort of co-developed with communities, uh, they, uh, uh, the, the, I think the speed at which we're going to see improvement there and uh, you know we've certainly seen the sort of the uh, the shift from GPT two to three uh, was remarkable, and I think that we're now going to see sort of beyond that and other related tools uh, that are going to be uh, truly, I think, companions for thinking. Exactly. Also, when when Alice Albrecht sort of pulled the curtain back and said, "Hey, if you're using these models, you have to think of your compute budget." 
And it, and it was yes. like talking to Scotty in the engine room of the Enterprise. And he's like, well, we've got an obtainium but, or vibranium, but not quite enough. And, and here's how it gets used up really quickly. And I was like, ah, oh, this, this is super useful too. Yeah, um, yeah. I also think Alice's comments in the, that last panel was uh, second to last panel uh, that she did uh, with with Chris and with Linus. You know, she she talked a lot about sort of the uh, the uh, conception, sort of the really sort of core pragmatic issues that these language models are dealing with today. And you know it's uh, it, it's fun and it gets headlines to you know discuss you know uh, sentient language models, but you know these are uh, you know uh, I I think that what we really need to do is we need to figure out what we actually have today, and start uh, getting these models in the software to really work with people, uh, and so that people we can start to understand what real needs are instead of these sort of large abstractions that mostly come from sort of Hollywood, either uh, dystopian or utopian fantasies. I was happy that we didn't get stuck in a, you know, is this stuff sentient yet conversation? We can we can do that some other time. We don't um, need to do that. The, the other thing I realized, and it was just nice because we were in a physical room, this is kind of post-pandemic-ish, and we were in a physical room with people who were really enthusiastic about this. They were leaning in, they were asking fabulous questions. And yeah. the, way, the way I think about this is that if you look out over the horizon of this field, there's a bunch of different bonfires that are burning brightly, but they're but but these people aren't really talking to each other. So I felt yeah, really yeah we had, good. I mean, yeah. I think we had, a, a, you know, 100 plus people in the room. We had, uh, I think, about another 400 on the live stream. Uh, we, you know, uh, Kevin Marks was, you know, totally unprompted, was nice enough to live tweet the whole thing. Beautiful. Uh, and, and then at the end of the day, at the end of the evening, right, we had to literally kick people out. And uh, we closed the doors at seven because the support staff was, uh, was gone uh, and uh, was packing up. I need to clean the place up. And I left at 7.30, 7.45, and there were people still on the street. Um, like hanging out and talking. So I think that there's, you know, there's community here um, and there's, there's people who really believe, as do we, as do I, that, uh, you know, we're at a sort of one of those, you know, tipping points where these technologies, whether it's graph databases, large language models, spatial uh, interfaces, a whole set of things are sort of, conspiring for us to be able to actually come to the table and rethink you know what our tools for thinking are and and these things become much more available the closer we get to having sort of protocols and apis and agreements for how they fit together and gordon brander did a really lovely job of presenting his notion of what that is the noosphere protocol uh, a lot of people were leaning in there and i think there's there's other groups that are building similar kinds of things but the closer we get to that the easier than it is to integrate these different things. Um, although we have to be smart, as Alice said, th these data sets are often incommensurable. They, they don't mesh. They don't like right. di different language models don't actually play nicely together. They, they were generated in different ways and, and, you know, aren't the same sort of thing. So where let, let's look. Forward and I to think also, second. sorry, I think you were yeah. just reminding me, I think Gordon's, uh, I, I think Gordon's presentation was really interesting and sort of sparked a lot of thinking about, uh, the importance for these uh, for uh, these tools to be open, and so that we can move these sort of clumps of knowledge, 
or as I think about them, sort of you know, uh, little stacks of knowledge or knowledge blobs where I've got like the small ideas laddering up to the bigger ideas right. and I can transfer to you the whole idea, right? And so you've got like my supporting hypotheses data, maybe my contrarian hypotheses in there too, but you've got a blob of an idea, not just, you know, a hashtag of a word. So I think Gordon did a brilliant job of that. I think Davey's presentation, you know, really sort of, you know, uh, started scratching on the social uh, thinking uh, side of the equation. Uh, because I think that, um, you know, if if language is, you know, sort of our original tool for thinking, um, language is a social tool, mm -hmm. right? Uh, talking to yourself, you don't get so far. Um, and so I think that it's you know, having conversations and being able to like and, and being able to think socially. I mean, Howard touched on that too. Um, and just the importance of the sort of you know, how the social internet emerged and how social thinking is to emerge. And so much of the power here is actually social. Um, back to what you just said about sort of uh, the ideas and being able to share them. I, I, po I posted a video on YouTube in 2010 called Nuggets, Narratives, and Points of View, where I was trying to describe an idea is a nugget. You can string them together into narratives, and then you can stack them up into a point of view within some domain. And the example I gave was some videos that I shot about the 2008-2009 global financial crisis. How did we get there? What's the evidence? What should we do about it? What, what got done? Et cetera, et cetera. And, and we need much better sort of fluid language and some social norms to get into that mode where we can do that. So, so I wanted to shift us a little bit into looking ahead for the sector and so forth. And I think a piece of what needs to happen is uh, we need to like go to dance class together and figure out that this is tango or rumba or waltz or all three, except we're going to sort of go back and forth between them so that we know the rhythm and the steps to do together so that these tools can collaborate. Because I think you and I both are coming into this strongly with the belief that there is no one tool to rule them all. We need a, a variety of Baskin Robbins flavors of, of tool to come in, but the tools need to talk to each other and the people need to be able to interact through them to create more of a shared uh, shared knowledge base. So, so how, how we get there, I think is gonna be a piece of what we're, we're busy kind of stewarding in the background as we're working on a particular startup or a particular idea or a particular feature, right? Uh, which is right. like already hard enough to do. Yeah. Yeah, totally hear you. I think that that's right. So, Jerry, uh, what are you going to do on these podcasts? So, I am going to be um, interviewing some of the startup people. I, I think that the general model we want to do is me and two guests each time, so that it's not one profile of one company or one whatever. And it'll be a mixture of entrepreneurs who've got startups and some really interesting thinkers in the space. And there's a bunch of those to choose from, uh, and some other people trying to figure out what does tools for thinking look like and how can we sort of stand this thing up together so that there's both a thriving startup economy and then an ecosystem of shared knowledge. Um, so I'll be going through that in a, in a series Brilliant. that at yeah. least we'll go through November and then we'll see we'll see like how it's going at that point and maybe continue it. But, um, and we're going to do this every week? Uh, it'll be a weekly podcast, yes. Fantastic. And we're going to run it as a podcast and we're also going to make the video available. So if people want to see 
uh, the tool because in many cases there's a visual component to these tools. We'll have the video also. Uh, so, th so that's brilliant. My my job and what I'm going to be doing is uh, I will drop into these periodically where I can be helpful. But my real job is going to be to help uh, source some uh, uh, diversity of interesting uh, people and products uh, in this space because I think that uh, as we as we go through the process of uh, talking to a whole set of companies uh, who are interested in the accelerator program, it's a great opportunity to see sort of the the diversity of people who are coming into this space. Because I think that on on one hand, you could think about this as a very narrow thing. A lot of people come to it, and when I say tools for thank you, they go on note taking, and then you know. Um, you, you, know, you speak to somebody else and they say, oh, my best tool for thinking is meditation or cooking. Right. <laughs> and so long, long walks um, in the forest. Yes. Yeah. 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 And so then that sort of, you know, I think that that opens up a question of uh, sort of like, okay, how do you, how do you help people think contextually in the place that they're actually thinking? Uh, which may be voice capture interfaces, which may be mind mapping, which may be spatial, which may be, you know, so there's a, so my job is going to be to help uh, uh, find things uh, to get onto this podcast that are great and that really stimulate, I think, uh, people's uh, interest and, uh, and the scope of the space. So if you're listening to us and you have a startup in the tools for thinking space, get in touch. Uh, we would love to have you jump into the camp or be a guest on the podcast or mix into our conversations around, around the space. Uh, yeah. So it's, uh, there's a lot to do here. Yeah, there's a lot to do. I'm super excited and I think it's, uh, I think it's right time. So uh, let's get going. And if you feel like it and you are you have a workflow of your own with a tool for thinking that isn't just note-taking, um, yes. post a video of your workflow and use the hashtag T4TWorkflow. Uh, and we will find those and highlight them uh, on our streams and uh, post our own because I need to do some of that myself around this brain thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would be wonderful to, as part of this, to uh you know to, as as you interview people jerry is to just get like really specific sort of like tip or sort of like what tell me one thing you do that's magical um because i think so many people i mean i met with some guy, guy this week and he you know sort of unpacked for me his his tips but uh so many people have put together and are basically you know band-aiding together in sort of lazy web fashion as many tools as they can, because there's a lot of tools out there that are not made for this, but who you can use for this. Um, but there's better ways to do this. And Absolutely. that's what we want to expose. Absolutely. So excited. And we want to make, we want to promote and encourage more tools that play nicely with others so that you can take your yeah. note-taking tool and connect it up to a machine learning system and connect it up to something else that's busy creating visual output and whatever. So. So there we are. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. Um, this is the this is as we said our first episode of Tools for Thinking. Thank you for listening to us. Uh, this is a new podcast that might just help you with your thinking. If you're part of a startup in the sector, knock on our door at betaworks.com/camp. Thank you for listening. Thank you.